welcome to the Intralingo World Lit podcast, where we explore the many ways of seeing and being in the world through books. I'm Lisa Carter, founder and creative director of Intralingo. And today I'm in conversation with the author Olya Knezhevich, with translator Ellen Elias Borsach, and translator Paula Gordon. Thank you all for being here. Thanks. Wow, we're very glad to be here. Thank you for inviting us. Oh, it's a pleasure. This is the first Montenegrin novel I have ever read, uh, in English, of course. Um, but I'm super excited to be chatting with, uh, with all three of you. Yeah, so, oh yeah, this is your fourth book, is that right? And the first in English? Yes. Well, it's my fourth book, uh, third novel, uh, and uh, and the, my first novel I wrote in English. And of okay. course, it sounds translate. It sounds translated. It sounds. <laughs> I mean, this one was actually translated professionally, and it doesn't sound translated. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Uh, I I don't know how I did it. Why? I mean, I know why, because I was doing the MA at Burbick in London, the MA Creative Writing, so I was forced to write it in English, but I don't know how I, I wrote a novel in English. And then uh, I had it translated back to my own language and then published actually in Montenegro and Croatia and the, and the, the region of ex-Yugoslavia. But this one, Catherine the Great and the Small won an award. It's my latest novel. And so it got to be professionally translated and published in the UK and also English speaking, I think. Everyone can order it really. Yes. It's available here, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. available, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, great, you know, wonderful. I mean, I'm really excited, happy. And, um, and the translation is really like, so amazing that I actually read it two more times in English. <laughs> Did you? I never read it or even wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic well congratulations to both of you Paula and Ellen that's high praise <laughs> yes it is I, I'm just now at the very end I decided I would read it again before um, well I just I've read the first third for today spoke, and I'm uh, on the last chapter actually <laughs> but uh, and I but I read the last paragraph before we start <laughs> <laughs> There's something about it, uh, really, uh, Paul and Ellen. I, I, I kept thinking, what, what do they add here? Because she sounds, it's a first person narrative. Mm -hmm. She sounds so much stronger. She mm. sounds more determined, but yet uh -huh. a bit more crazy also. You know, like <laughs> she has this, I think, um, Balkan way of addressing the reader. Mm. but in in a really good English so it's a great combination <laughs> like she doesn't speak in an accent <laughs> that's really funny. That's very funny well when I was reading it just now I read the first third uh, just yesterday and today to prepare for our talk and one of the things I realized that Paula initiated and I thought was really smart especially in the first chapters there's big time leaps between each chapter and big things have happened in the meanwhile. And so Paula suggested us putting in years to designate, you know, where we are on the timeline. And I thought that was really smart. I think that a lot of those time hints are clear to somebody from the region because they'd read that and they'd know after a paragraph or two when it was going on just by what's happening but people from outside the country can't possibly know those things. And so I thought that was really smart to go for it, Paul. <laughs> well, I just thought that it was, I mean, I wanted to know how old she was, how much time had passed. And, uh, you know, we sent you a timeline, Olya, and it, it was interesting. At the end, you were, you were kind of like, well, let's just say a lot of time has passed, <laughs> you know, but which is fine, you know, but it was helpful to know that, like to not really, yeah. at the beginning, I think it's important because you are following events and, and because yeah. they're in school, you, 
at some point, Ellen, you said, hasn't she graduated already? Doesn't she right. waiting for an MA or something like that? <laughs> you know, right. just because we lost track of time at a certain point. Well, that thing about the 80s versus the 90s is very yeah. important for that part of the world. If you're right. talking about the 80s, that's pre-war. If you're talking about the 90s, you're in the war. And, yeah. and, and right. so making that clear also was really important. Yes, thank you. Thank you for asking me about all the details and questions because something that's for the readers from this region, oh, of course, they would know that that yeah. gets a bit mixed. What are they talking about now? But mm -hmm. yeah, so, oh, but, but, but even if you write, uh, when you write a novel, you need to kind of have, you do a lot of math. Yes. You get carried away by the art and the soul of it, but then actually <laughs> you need to also do the math and also like do the little apartments she's in. I had to have them kind of all figured out in my head, the, how many rooms does the grandma's apartment in this one. So it's it's not all, you know, higher spheres. There's a little <laughs> bit of <laughs> prosaics too. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think it's helpful because it places, even if subconsciously, it places the reader in a space. I mean, one thing mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed about this novel, even if I don't picture everything in detail, I still really do have a sense of where they are. You know, there's, and, yeah. and it's not too much description, though. I mean, it's enough to give you a sense of the, the kind of place it is without going into, you know, excruciating mm -hmm. detail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. So. Yeah. So it sounds like it was a, a pretty close and incredible collaboration throughout to bring the well, novel it, into it, English. It kept, the, uh, it kept the lockdown doable, I think, because Paula and I were working so intense during those first winter months when things were the worst, you know, March mm -hmm. and April, we were working very intensely together. And I think that really made it livable for me. Certainly. Yeah, and also actually the lockdown made it doable for me because, you know, we all had travels planned and it occurred and visits, you know, and it occurred to me that had all of that other stuff happened, it wouldn't be the same book. Mm -hmm. really, because well, we, we would have, have slept a lot less. Time. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 yeah, the, <laughs> this year is strange, isn't it? It brings globally bad things but personally you get a little gain that you yes. otherwise wouldn't <laughs> right. a quieter a quieter life it's yeah. true at, at times a quieter life is a, is a benefit it's true yeah definitely um so i absolutely have to ask this paula and ellen how did you divide up the translation was one section paula's and one because the book is divided into two there's catherine the great and catherine the small is that how you did it or or how did well, you divide well, I'll give, what you wanted you to that well point. ellen it first of all i'm here because of ellen ellen was asked first to translate the novel and she uh in my opinion very generously offered to work on it with me um, as more of an editor. So the way we did it, and because of our schedules also, I was able to start. So I did the first okay. draft of it all. Yeah, I was and working then, on something else when you were starting. After yeah, that. and then I would send it to Ellen. And because we were kind of running out of time, I would send chunks to Ellen while I was still working. And she would send feedback to me on what I had translated and sent to her. And then I would glance through it. I would try not to obsess too much over <laughs> changes. And, and I think it was smart, Ellen, you didn't track all of your changes. And I don't know whether that was inadvertent or, or on purpose, but it worked for me because it, did, it made me not think it's too funny, I don't even remember that's such a funny point. Yeah. Was what, you know, I would read mm. it and I would say, oh, that sounds good. And I was like, for sure she changed that. And then I go back and I'm like, oh, that was mine, you know. So um, <laughs> there were, you know, what's the nice thing to like. <laughs> well, yeah, the way, so, the, so the way my perspective on the process was that I'd been absolutely overwhelmed by other projects leading up to that. Too many books in too short a time. And I was feeling burned out. And that this book has a lot of... Um, 
ebullience. I mean, it's very energetic and emotional and, and has a wonderful, playful voice. And I was afraid that I wouldn't have it in me to bring that kind of energy to it. I was so exhausted. And I also was worried that I'd done too much lately. And so it's all beginning to sound the same, or at least I was beginning to sort of have my favorite word for translating acts, you know, and I thought, no, 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 no. Let me work with somebody else. So that was really the motivation when I went to you, Paula. Also, I just have enjoyed collaborations for that same reason too. Lately, several I've done several collaborations, and I've found them quite refreshing. Mm. That I that they take me out of these kind of not ruts, but just automatic ways that I translate things, and I enjoy hearing somebody else's voice and thinking about it. Mm. But I have more experience translating fiction. Paula does; she's done some theater, mm -hmm. uh, but not a novel per se. So it worked well with her. She was interested in. In, in getting involved with this. And, and I was just so grateful to have someone to share it with. So once she had started doing the translation and I was following along with my editing sort of behind her, uh, then I would make, they were suggestions, Paul, suggestions. <laughs> and, and there was, a, there were, you know, there's always a, um, a hierarchy of suggestions. There's a, no, we're not going to do this or, we're going to do this instead, or what about this, you know, sort of with a question mark and, and sort of playing with things. And, and so, so we, then she began incorporating some of those things as she was translating on and through the book, she was looking at my earlier corrections and then, and then those things were shaping mm -hmm. that she did. Yeah, that's so it was very, very much a, a full collaboration in every way. We were both completely involved. So in the editing, even though she translated and I edited, in the end, we both edited everything. We were editing we were long conversations. What was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that was good because it does take, by the end, it's true. It's just what's on the page and is it the right thing? Um, and the other thing is that we read right. it out loud to each other. This was something that Ellen mm, yes. had suggested yes, from another did. translator. So we did a few sessions where we would read straight through chapter. The whole book. We went from start to yeah. finish. And, yeah. then, and it, it did make a difference. It I really think it did. did. Well, the one thing that happened is that we would read something that wasn't on the page. And then the other person would say, actually, you, you said this. You're like, oh, yeah, that's better. You know, it comes out of your mouth. Yes. Right. In a way. That's what yeah. writers should do, also read aloud. To yeah. But it, you, just, you, you get too lazy to do that. That's really, like, when I read this now before as a, a little exercise, you know, to see how I sound to myself while reading. I was, I was, I was wanting to change. Mm. <laughs> How? I know. After it's been even translated, I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, but that's always true. I mean, yeah. anytime exactly. you pick it up, you, you suddenly go, oh, I should have done that. I know. There are a few places I've, I've marked. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> well, that's so fascinating because, you know, as I was reading it, you know, I, I always have a little bit of the translator's brain myself still in the, you know, as I'm reading. And I was, there was such a consistency of voice throughout, even though the voice changes for Catherine as she is younger and older, but I couldn't help but puzzling. Okay, how did they do this? How did they divide this? But I think that that intense collaboration, that true collaboration really comes through beautifully. Yeah. It was a great pleasure. And, and Paula is such a good translator too. It wasn't like I had to schlep her along. I mean, she was mm -hmm. absolutely in there hundred uh, percent going for it. It was really exciting to work with. Fantastic. Her. There was I really something about, yeah. Mm. I was gonna say there just was something about the voice and also the granny i feel like i had the people in mind mm. um even Militza, i i would did theater in high school you know and there's a girl kind of like that she's now a grandmother <laughs> so uh, it's you know <laughs> she survived <laughs> she survived but there was something you know there were little pieces of each character that i kind of 
felt akin to. We even mm. sent each other links to people that reminded us of Sinisha, our image yes. of Sinisha. Oh, really? It was so funny, and mine was so different than hers. It was just something I was watching at that particular moment. I thought, ooh, that's Sinisha. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, uh, that would be incredible to see the differences, you know, because we all create a different image right. in our mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Take us into the book. First, take us to when you decided to write the book and then introduce us to Catherine the Great and the Small, if you would. Yeah. Um, I had uh, my two previous novels. There's Milena. She's in her 20s. At the end of her 20s, there's uh, Va Mrs. Black, Vale Black. She changed her name, also Montenegrin woman who changed her name and married an Englishman. Um, she's like at the end of her 30s. And then someone asked me, so is there a third woman now coming? And I thought, yeah, uh -huh. why not? You know, uh, as I'm getting older, they should be getting older. Um, and I was thinking, but what now? What, you know, what? And then there was a, a scene happening in, in, the, in my real life in my home mm -hmm. and I thought wait wait well the scene was happening like the real life was happening and I was going whoa this is it this is it this is the <laughs> and I was running to my computer <laughs> and I wrote that scene as it was happening and but that scene never made it into a book because it, it's real you know mm -hmm. I couldn't I still I'm not still at that level of depth that I can just do it. I couldn't, but I, I, I noticed that I had a, a voice, you know, that voice with which it was written first person already had a distance that I personally couldn't have. But mm. that voice came like I didn't even have to make a compilation of the people I knew, women I knew to, to build her. That voice brought everything, seriously. It was a miracle. And that I is. knew, like, oh, I knew I started my third novel. And <laughs> yeah, that was, that's, I mean, it's, um, you know, when, when you start, you know, when you have the beginning or like when it has really begun and also somehow, you know how to end it. Okay. Uh, and then in the meantime, I always say, okay, I can do this one in a year because it's going really well. But then you finish the first draft and you go back and you just go, oh my God, <laughs> this has to go, this has to go, you know. Um, yeah, so Catherine is just someone who could have been my really good friend. I, mm -hmm. I, I could have known her uh, growing up and I knew everything about her, uh, even though it's all, how to say, invented. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that happened, but it all happened separately, I bet, and I swear mm -hmm. in my life in Montenegro you know, because yeah. I know the country so well. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's my territory and I just, I love writing from my territory and, and about my territory, uh, even though I lived every, I lived in many other places mm -hmm. and I haven't lived in Montenegro. Yeah, first I- I just was, I, I have to ask you this, Olya, did you ever sell ice cream on the street? Because that no, no, but I the ice cream to. is so <laughs> terrific. So true. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to so much when I was young, I ah. wanted to work during summer, but my father was a different kind of father. He was always like, no, you're going to study, you're going to be, you know, no, there was, there was something like he wouldn't let me, but I always saw those young girls of my age, probably who would work during summer, selling ice cream, doing something. And I was so envious. Today, I'm envious of hairdressers, for example. It's like, I, something, I like that. I don't know. I think they have like a good life, you know, <laughs> good childhood. Like they stand outside in the street, meet people, get cash. I love that. <laughs> you hear stories, you see people like, what's better than that? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to watch. Maybe your next character will be a hairdresser. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that will be maybe something for this like theater <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. yeah oh that's a monologue of the <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> yes 
Well, I've seen uh, plays in barber shops, but I haven't yet seen a play in a in a hairdresser's salon. Yeah, that's not yeah. a bad idea. Well, no, there is that play. Um, hang on, it takes place in a hairdresser shop. Fried green tomatoes. Oh, maybe. Oh, really? Is it? Oh, I don't remember. That. I, I've I've seen it, Isn't but I've forgotten. The, it yeah, it's a yeah. Could be. Oh, anyway. <laughs> it's all it's all just the two, at least the way I saw it, two barbers' chairs two women hairdressers and they talk and you know things going on out mm. off stage and mm. the conversation mm. on stage yeah. wow. that's all right film. Yeah, it's one it. of those this the seven stock scenes a barbershop right, <laughs> For right? Sure. isn't there that everything's been done so yes exactly anyway <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it wasn't in montenegro <laughs> yeah, no, definitely no. not <laughs> I mean, we only just now changed the government after 30 years, so <laughs> yeah. new things are going to happen. Happen, okay. exactly. Well, I would love for you to read a little bit to bring us right into the story. So, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. I will. Um, I'm not sure for how long because, you know, it's different when, when they read in English. So, yeah. Yeah, you decide a short, a short bit and then Paula and Ellen will read, yeah. Um, okay, so it's the beginning of chapter three and uh, Katarina or Catherine and her best friend Milica are in Milica's room. Sanja ti je bila legenda, rekla mi je Milica i dodala mi još par mandarina i skutije pored kreveta u njenoj sobi. Naravno da je umrla mlada kao i sve legende, a dosadne majke i očevi nadživjeći i svoju djecu. Vidiš šta je životna svrha moje ceci? Pravljenje zaliha za crne dane. Kašeti, mandarina, raskomadane životinje po zamrzivačima. Čula sam da se na sanjenim časovima likovnog moglo pričati o svemu. O ljubavi, vezama, braku, filmovima, poeziji. Baš je fazon da nosiš to s kao privjesak. Miličina se nordijsko plava kosa, dužine kao u sirene, prosipala po krevetu, po meni, s kreveta padala na pod. U kosi, kore od mandarina i ostaci od oštrenja crnog kreona za oči. Prije izlaska napolje, ništa od toga neće istresti iz te ogromne kose koju rijetko pere. Uvjerava me da mirisi otpadaka i masnoće odbijaju vaške. Dječaci ispred zgrade zvali su je Plavi Anđeo. Nisu je interesovali ti pačenici. Bila je zaljubljena u glumce, u filmove, u Branda, Belmonda, Delona, u pjegavu, beskompromisnu Catherine Hepburn, u karakternu Anu Manjani s dlakama u nosu, u malo razroku Moniku Viti. Osjećam da pripadam tom svijetu, govorila mi je bez srama. I svima je tako, bez srama, govorila da od života hoće umjetnost, strast i slobodu. Ćao, ja sam Milica, rođena na potpuno krivoj paraleli, tako se predstavljala u leksikonima. Sve sam njene riječi upijala. Njen je govor bio glamurozan i bogat, poput Hollywooda gdje je stvarno i pripadala. Na pamet je učila ženske monologe iz svih knjiga koje je čitala. Već se s 13 godina počela ozbiljno spremati za prijemni na Beogradskoj dramskoj akademiji. Gluma se može i sa 16 upisati, govorila je pravilnim izgovorom. Kupi još i K za tvoje ime, rekla mi je. Prejako ti je ime, Katarina. Odmah nakon Katarina mora ići velika. Moraš da porasteš do metar 80, moraš da budeš velika, poput tvrđave. Muška ramena i velike sise. Smrdim li na znoj? Pitala sam je. Jesu li mi predlakave ruke? Savršena si, tješila me. Maybe stop here and then if you want you can read longer because I don't know, you know, all they will hear the listeners is like It's wonderful to hear I'm insane. It's wonderful to hear, but yeah, absolutely. Let's hear some of the English now. How should we do this, Ellen? Well, why don't we go up to where she stopped, and then I, you can start, and I'll take it from there. Okay. 
Your Sonia was a legend, Militza said, and handed me two more mandarins from the crate next to her bed. Of course she died young, like all legends do. Boring mothers and fathers outlive their own children. Look at my mother's sole purpose in life, to create a nest egg for a rainy day. Crates of mandarins, dismembered animals in freezers. I heard that in Sonia's art classes, kids could talk about anything, about love, relationships, marriage, films, poetry. You're a class act wearing that S around your neck. Militza's Nordic blonde hair, long like a mermaid's, spilled over the bed, over me, from the bed onto the floor. Mixed up in her hair were mandarin peels and shavings from sharpening her black eyeliners. She didn't try to shake any of it out of her hair when she went outside, and she rarely washed it. She assured me that the smells of these scraps and oils kept the lice away. The kids from the building called her the blonde angel. She called them rejects and wanted no part of them. She was in love with the movies, with actors, Brando, Belmondo, Delon, with the freckled, uncompromising Catherine Hepburn, with the character actress Anna Magnani and her nose hairs, with the slightly cross-eyed Monica Vitti. I feel like I belong in that world, she told me shamelessly. She told everyone to their faces, shamelessly, that what she wanted from life was art, passion, and freedom. Ciao, I'm Militza. I was born in an alternate universe. That's how she introduced herself in our class directory. I lapped up every word. Her manner of speaking was glamorous and rich like Hollywood, a place she really did belong to. She memorized the women's monologues from all the books she read. At 13, she was already seriously preparing for auditions to get into the Belgrade Academy of Dramatic Arts. One man role at 16 years of age, she said, with impeccable diction. You need a C, too, she told me, for your fabulous name, Catherine. And right after Catherine must come the great. You must grow up to be five foot ten. You have to be great like a fortress, shoulders like a man and great big tits. Do I have B.O., I asked her. Are my arms too hairy? You are perfect, she assured me. Okay, I think this is okay. Sinisha is afraid of that, as are all the boys. Show me your tits, Catherine the Great. I do believe they've grown. She didn't wait for me to pull up my shirt before pulling up her own. Look, mine are already sagging. They were not sagging, of course. She just wanted to show me her firm, round breasts again. You have nicer nipples, she said, and brushed her fingers over mine. Lesbos! All at once her little brother Rados jumped out from where he was hiding behind Milica's curtains. I'll tell your mothers you're feeling each other up and kissing on the lips. Shame on you, Milica said to him. Kati doesn't have a mother. Imagine what it would be like if we didn't have a mother. Rados's chin trembled, his nostrils flared, and he tried hard not to cry. Don't, Mitzi, don't tease him, I said. But she kept going. What a crappy life that would be, eh? And on top of that, some idiot, someone like you now, comes along to accuse you and judge you. Radish couldn't hold back his tears. He was already sobbing. Your crying means nothing to us, except that you feel sorry for yourself. Apologize to Katarina. When she becomes Catherine the Great, she'll chop off your head. I consoled Radosh and told him he hadn't hurt my feelings. Good riddance to bad rubbish, said Milica, and turned my attention to our long-term goals. One way or another, we're going to ditch this backwoods town. You and me, kid. You can do anything. Remember that. The place will stunt, this place will stunt your brain, and I don't intend to live my life with half a brain. Mm. I swear it sounds better in English. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene. That friendship is just so incredibly well portrayed right there in that one scene. Thank you. Thank mm. You know, to me, I was thinking about Catherine and Milica and, you know, they're, they're kind of the same side of, or different sides of the same coin, or maybe the opposite. But, you know, when we look at Milica and we learn about her and she's dramatic and, you know, she's um, larger than life and incredible. And Catherine, you know, especially at this time in her life, she's lost her mother and she's living with her granny and she's lost her father. And she seems so much more um, 
down to earth. But in many ways, she is more of the heroine. She does become Catherine the Great. And Milica, um doesn't become all that she dreamt of. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, Milica even says uh, about um, two characters, you know, splitting one character into two. She talks about um, Streetcar Named Desire, and she said mm -hmm. yes. uh, they had to be cut in two, like, this is one of the things I would change <laughs> in the translation. Instead of cutting things up for the audience, I would say, like, cutting things up in bite-sized pieces, you know, mm. for consumption. Yeah, that, that, and I really do feel like one of the things I liked about the novel is I felt like, Olya, you were telling us what you were doing the whole way through, and yet it still worked. You mm. know, it's like, I don't know if you did this on purpose, but in so many places, you, it seems to, the, to me that the author is speaking. You know, if you're, if you're gonna, if you already found a way to express yourself, express all of you, don't bury anything. I mean, that to me is the really kernel of yes, of what yes. you're doing in this book. Um, there are so many things that are hard to read, uh, hard to, Im not hard to imagine because I think at least I'm of a similar age as Katrina, the things are hard to remember and yet they're out there. And I was so appreciative that you put, you know, even some of the most unpleasant things mm. on the page. Yeah. I, um, I become braver with every novel going deeper into just expressing what I really, um, what I really also like think about. I, I can't just say what I really think, but what I think about because, um, Milena was more of a political thriller and she was just out there. It was obvious it wasn't me. It was built around the, some affair in the politics of my country. Um, so it was easier to go darker, darkness, rape, uh, sex trafficking. It was very political. Then Mrs. Black was kind of a bit like, whoa, fantasy world. Is she going insane because of identity crisis? But I felt I was afraid of Catherine because she was so much like me. She was my age and I knew her. She didn't have my life trajectory, but I you know, kind of peril. So I was afraid. And now I, I, with my next book, I promised to myself, you have to go deep. You, you just go there because the deeper you go, I really believe this, it becomes more universal. Because yes, writers so. from Montenegro are afraid that nobody cares about Montenegro. You know, it's kind of exotic, but not really it's still in Europe. Not very interesting, very small, small market. What is this language? It's not Croatian, even it's not Serbian. What have they done? Um, and so they reach for like some kind of Japanese stories, some crazy names. They, they try to get into trends, copy what's in. But I just, you know, I just think they should go deeper. Just go deeper and then it becomes like universal. You see, you, you knew someone like Granny, you mm -hmm. got knew someone like Melitza. So yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm gonna go deeper next time even. I already started something and <laughs> you know, I'm just now saying to myself, okay, you're writing this so far only for yourself. So, you know, don't <laughs> cut anything, don't have boundaries, just go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's hard to go that deep though isn't it yeah and I like fiction like that you know I don't mm -hmm. really read genre after I stopped reading Agatha Christie I <laughs> really go back to crime novels um, or romance or stuff like that mm -hmm. this is what I like reading and this is what I sometimes miss uh, I wish there were there were more of that you mm -hmm. know um, I mean, there are more and more women writers. That's amazing. That's yes. really great. That's really great. And uh, I love reading about women by women. I really enjoy it. So, mm. and I think they should go deep. Yeah. Yeah. 
Me too. And, you know, quite honestly, it's what I love about world literature is um, I am rather ignorant of Montenegro and the entire um, breaking apart of Yugoslavia because I was a similar age. It was not on my radar at the time. It's not an area of the world that I have spent any time in. But I could have been Catherine in that bedroom with her friend Milica, you know, I could have been Catherine when she went to Belgrade and went to university and, you know, a, a, a tragic first love. All of those things are, are about being human, mm. you know, they're not about a place, they're about yeah. us as humans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this yeah. is great about women writers, maybe, uh, because I always remember how Virginia Woolf said, I'm, <clears throat> I'm a woman and I don't have my country. Therefore, the whole, wor the whole world is mine. Mm. Like, something like that. I'm really heavily paraphrasing. I, you know, <laughs> I, I don't even know what the original quote sounds like. Um, but, but yeah, it, it really feels like that. I don't belong to any particular literature. I, I'm from Montenegro, but I don't live there. Mm. I live in Croatia, but I don't write Croatian, Croatian language. And, you know, I, I lived in London for a long time, but I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm a translated author there. Yeah. But somehow, I don't care. I feel so free. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's marvelous. You know, and I must say, um, Ellen and Paula, was it your idea to to add the notes at the end of the English version where you gave us those lovely hints on pronunciation? Because <laughs> as I was, I actually wanted that part at the beginning because of mm. course I was obsessing over how do I say this name? <laughs> um, but you gave us some of the socio-political, mm. geopolitical context at the end, which for me as a reader was was really important. How did you see that? Um, Ellen, I think that was your idea. We we talked about possibly a, a, an actual timeline, you know, where where it would be like the date and what grade she was in sort of thing. But then I, uh, the way you did it, Ellen, I think was more concise and sort of only what wasn't really explained in the text. You know, we talked about certain things that um, we could have put in, but we felt like they were explained enough in the text that, you know, to keep it as short as possible, I guess. Well, there's this concept mm -hmm. in translation discourse when we talk about what we do called stealth glossing, where you insert into a, the text a, a word or two that directs somebody to, I don't know, a popular song so that you know these, this is a line from a popular song or something so that it, and you, you don't want to have it sound like something the person wouldn't be saying but it's got to be a little bit explanatory but there's only so far you can go with that kind of thing and you can't give a little history lecture in a paragraph in the middle of the of the novel it just doesn't work because the novel the protagonists would never be saying those things and it just doesn't make any sense so we started talking about putting something like that together at the end. I have this, when I'm asked about fidelity in a translation, I'm not one to stick, I, I generally stick to sentence length and mostly paragraph length and that kind of thing. But I don't feel particularly wedded to having a translation be literal bits and pieces mm -hmm. the way they are, especially not word order within the sentence. I don't feel wedded to that particularly. But what I do like to think of in terms of fidelity is that the reader should know, and this is of course impossible like all fidelity, but the reader should know the same thing in another country that the reader domestically knew when they were reading the novel. And that's impossible because it's a whole cultural surround that's implied. But as far as I can take it in that direction, I take it. I mean, that's what I, that's sort of my goal. Mm -hmm. And so that was part of making that possible by putting in that piece at the end. There were a mm -hmm. lot of songs in the original, a lot of songs and song lyrics and names of bands that ended up being omitted from the published book. 
and so the the explanation at the end was quite a bit longer because we had there was a whole paragraph on um the girl bands of the 1980s (laughs) well not uh, unironically there's a very famous belgrade band called catherine the great and and often shortened to ekv and the funny thing for me is that I recently translated a novel by Ivana Bodrožić, where every chapter begins with a line from a title from one of the EKV songs. Then in here, there were all these EKV songs, a few of which are still in the, but mostly were taken out in the course of the editing. And now I'm working on something else where there's EKV songs. So it's really hilarious that EKV has just completely formed <laughs> the whole generation. I mean, it's really uh, the, yeah. The leader and the founder was. Uh, something like uh, Kurt Cobain or Jim Morrison of Yugoslavia. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always think about was also yeah, good looking, which helped. So <laughs> and he was like this, you know, unhappy heroin addict. Looking <laughs> heroin addict, but it was so. it was very heroiny that music. Like for me, it was all Velvet Underground. That Velvet Underground and Nirvana. That was that. Well, I, I become now very familiar with the music of Ekave because, but it is Catherine the Great. That's the name of the band, which is yeah, yeah. Yes. perfect for, for this. That is, you know, and I, I guess, you know, <laughs> going back to the, the setting and the, you know, the cultural things, um, references and what was happening in the world at the time, it, it's, this book isn't about that, of course, it's about, it's a character novel. Um, and yet all of those happenings impacted and affected Catherine. They are the context in which she grew up. Um, and so having that there, uh, you know, particularly for English readers who may not be familiar is, is really so informative and helpful. It helps us shape our understanding. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, one issue that comes up with something like that is whether to put it at the beginning or the end. Mm -hmm. But the trouble with putting it at the beginning, we were able to sort of just hint at things by putting it at the end because you would have already read them. Whereas if you put it at the beginning, you have to kind of set it out like a history lesson. And that's, you know, it becomes more sort of ponderous. Mm -hmm. And more prominent, whereas it in the novel, it is in the background, you know, it's, Mm-hmm. It's interesting. My uh, I have two older sisters, and and they both like waited to, till each other finished reading it to start talking about it. But they both were kind of wondered, like, do they have the same experience of the novel as somebody who were familiar with the place? But it seems to me that they didn't really find it an obstacle mm-hmm. in, in terms of. And and what I said is that in fact the main character of the book is kind of oblivious herself, and so I feel like that wasn't such a big issue. I mean, it's nice to know what's going on because, as Ellen said, the reader of the book will, in the original, will know what was happening at that time, even if the protagonist doesn't. I guess in a sense that adds a bit of tension. Uh, they know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they're reading it yeah. now. They knew. They know what happened. To a foreign reader, yeah. 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 So, so when certain names are mentioned, you know, it's almost like you have like bah bah. You have this <laughs> dramatic language. It's like oh, archon. You know. <laughs> well, the question to ask your sisters is. Is it okay for people to watch Hairspray who aren't from Baltimore? I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's you know, it's, it's perfectly fun to watch it, even though people from Baltimore obviously are going to see different things in it than all the rest of us. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't have, they finished the book. I mean, they, you know, <laughs> it was you know what? They finished the book because yeah. so many books I, I have never finished and they were, you know, <laughs> on the best-selling list they got this wonderful raving reviews and i bought them and was really mad because (laughs) i just they were impenetrable so they finished the book (laughs) yeah no it's good one of my my middle sister said uh that when she finished she was a little bit sad 
you know, that she didn't have more to read. Like, uh -huh. there was a good more. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, that's a very that good a measure. Really of, good compliment. Yeah. That's yeah. a very good measure of success. Yes. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I think another thing that you um, began talking about, Olya, when you introduced the book is, um, and that I particularly loved, is that, you know, in a way, this is a coming of age novel because the whole beginning part is Catherine the Small. She's a child, adolescence, young adulthood. But it's also a coming of middle age book. Yes. In Catherine the Great. My favorite age so far. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I know you, you were alluding to that, you know, in the trajectory of your own writing in your own books, this was a reflection sort of of your own stages, but I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because it's very unusual to have um, at least those two time periods in, in a character's life in a novel. It's very unusual. I haven't come across, I, I don't, I read a lot, but you know, there's so many books, but I haven't come across many books on this, this age, like 40 to 60, um, or I don't know, 40 to 60 is like 50s in the middle now in my mind and I'm 52. So, you know, mm -hmm. what I, uh, I, I want more books. I mean, I, I brushed uh, upon it kind of, I was finishing up with it, mm -hmm. but I want I want, I want to write more and like read more about w women in the middle age. And I think your youth, you, you, I mean, we're always young and whatever, whatnot, but <laughs> you're not really young anymore, <laughs> right, when you're 50. But still, um, they say the second youth begins at 60. Uh, and it's like this, eight, this middle is... I don't know, it's full of changes. You're changing every day. You change your perspective. You change how you view life to the point that sometimes it's hard for me to write because I'm changing spiritually so much. Like I'm not, not very many things can make me mad. Mm -hmm. I distance myself quickly. I just think, okay, this is me. I'm at peace with myself. That's what matters. But it's not good for writing, you know, because you <laughs> can't have this emotion all <laughs> over, like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, you need maybe a bit darkness, rage, but I'm kind of losing it. I want to stay in touch with it. But, but, but on the other hand, I love this age because you're really, you know, you know yourself, you know your place, and mm -hmm. you're enjoying it, you know. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you know. You also feel, mm -hmm. but. I want more books about it too. Yes. I want to read about it. Yeah. I want to watch movies about it, you know, TV series. So, uh, yeah, definitely uh, what I have started now is, is definitely starting from that age directly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm mm. keeping the beginning this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> As I say, it's going to be done in a year. That's a good thing to start with that as the idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, when you started writing uh, Catherine the Great, where you started? Did I mean, from what you just mm. said, that, that an incident was happening is when you started writing well, it. Well, she was sitting in her room at the computer uh, and while the rest of her family was banging at her door. Ah, uh -huh. <laughs> so I was thinking that, that possibly that, pro I'm calling it the prologue, had been a part of part two at one point, and that, you know, you sort of brought it back to the beginning to frame it. Mm, but. Yeah. But no. in fact, it, that was the beginning of the book. That's so interesting. That was the beginning of the book, except that was a, there was a specific scene and the dialogue and everything um, from behind the closed door. Uh -huh. But I, you know, I had yes. to take it out. But, but then the general scene remained because I like that the main character always is placed somewhere from where she's telling mm. Mm -hmm. story. I just love it. I don't know why. I just feel grounded and now I can begin to, you know, fly. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it kind of stayed, but not really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I thought, I thought it was more 
you know, that you maybe you had written something straight through and then, yeah. you know, as a literary device, you, you moved it. It's really interesting that, that you yeah. began at the mm -hmm. beginning, you know, at that beginning. Mm -hmm. um, yes. You know, you always try, like, the, the saying goes that nobody reads more closely than the translator. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm always trying to think, like, aha, uh -huh, what is she doing here? What is this? Like, uh, how am I going to make it work in English the way it works for me in the original? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that, I think, isn't conscious. Once you're, once you're doing it, it comes out that way. I mean, that's, I think, because the novel is well-written, that, that the translation sounds well-written. But, um, you know, because we're not really changing anything. <laughs> yeah, but, but <laughs> only the language. <laughs> what used to be Yugoslavia, we had Serbo-Croatian uh, or Croato-Serbian, it was called. And I still use that language mostly. Um, now it's called either Montenegrin or Serbian or Croatian or Bosnian. And, but we all understand it. Mm. It has variations. Um, so Milica speaks Serbian because she's an actress studying in Belgrade and Katarina or Catherine is speaking Montenegrin, but then there's like a specific dialect of my hometown when grandma speaks or when they sometimes, and they manage, I don't know how you manage it. I can hear it in the translation and it's all <laughs> English. And, and, and you had this like small devices when you kind of hint that Milica speaks differently. It was fun. That part was fun. I really enjoyed uh, yeah. figuring out how, it, yeah. or even just the gendarme and, and je, the whole thing. That we yeah, really that enjoyed those things. I mean, there are sometimes a person just skips that stuff, and I just hate skipping it because it's mm -hmm. it's so engaging. I don't know. I, I like it anyway. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, I'm, I was really amazed. So you know what's what's interesting is I work with uh, Lyubomir Djorkovic, and he has a play. Um, uh, piece that's uh, uh, in, in English it's a family historian written in 1979 or and it takes place exactly the same time as as when this novel starts and they live in Drpenmandic. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> which is a which is a part of town where, where she's wandering around so I had in my head that and also they speak in this old language you know they're old characters in in that time and they use the montenegrin slang so i did a lot of work before coming to you wow. in terms of understanding yeah um some of those interjections and and the dropped letters and things like that so it's another reason why i felt like i could hear it yeah um, yeah and that's i don't really have much familiarity with the montenegrin uh, sort of colloquial usage, and so I was grateful to Paula for that. I know a lot about Zagreb colloquial usage, and, yeah, yeah. and even some about Bosnian colloquial use, but not not uh, Montenegrin. Now you do. Mm -hmm. Now I know a little bit more. <laughs> Scratch the surface. I was imagining that maybe Katarina on her like wandering around, you know, after her mother dies, would like wander in and meet some of the characters in this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a small country, so yeah, why not? Possible, even our characters. Fictional. <laughs> Wouldn't that yeah. be wonderful? <laughs> Other idea. Yeah, there's a. That's a fantastic idea. I love that one. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, I. I really loved Catherine. I loved following her journey and seeing her. I, what I really loved about Catherine is this notion of, um, well, I think she said it towards, um, in that prologue we were just talking about actually, where she, she says something again, and I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't have it in front of me, but you know, that life isn't, life never promised us anything specific, but we just, get what we get and I'm grateful for it all. And uh, I think she even talks about her yellow sponge cake table. She's or the color of sponge cake. And I think that's what I loved about her so much is like, 
Ellen really, she falls, uh, Ellen, um, Catherine falls quite deeply in, in her early um, adulthood, you know? Um, and it's not overly dramatized, but, you know, it's pretty serious how she loses her way. Um, but somehow she finds her way back. And it's not this heroic, um, then everything is wonderful. You know, she still goes along and there are still struggles and she's not always happy, but she finds happiness nevertheless. Um, she does. She, 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 she starts to really love herself. I yes. mean, that's the greatest happiness, <laughs> I think. Yeah. For a woman, a mature woman, that she's at good place with herself. Mm-hmm. And from there on, anything... As we say in Montenegrin, which is like, okay, I'm standing here. So anything, bring it on. Yeah. Bring, yeah. It, on. <laughs> bring it on. Ready yeah. for anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes Catherine just so admirable and relatable. And um, like a good friend, isn't she? I, li- I like yes. that I did that. Mm. Because I want to, when I start writing, I want, I always say to myself, okay, now you're going to bring the darkness. Life is hard. Bring the harshness of life. Bring it, you know, go, go there, it, the darkness. But I start writing and, and my heart kind of grows. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm a <laughs> this good, per- great, good person, but I just love the, I love the characters and I think I want them to, to kind of accept life and to fight it in a good way, to be, to have this joy, because joy is underrated in literature. Mm-hmm. That everyone thinks it's cheap or it's so female. So it's kind, kind of like everyone should be dark and evil and mean and, <laughs> oh, life is hard, life is hard. But I, I don't know what happens, but when I start writing, I love to, to give joy to my characters. Like it's mm-hmm. gonna be okay. And even if it doesn't end as a happy end, you see that they are okay. They have something, yeah, glowing from inside them. And I don't know, why not? Why not? Yeah, why not? Who's to say that we shouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that is that is the admirable thing. And wouldn't wouldn't we all love to live like that as well? You know, to find that it's- joy inside. It, it occurs to me that this idea of, you know, every good thing must be followed by a bad thing mm. is something that I don't, I mean, maybe I'm that way because of my family and what my family's experience is. <laughs> But, um, you know, the Holocaust and that sort of thing, where, where everything is, you know, just around the corner. But I think we learn that from what we read and from movies. You know, there's, you're always, it's like when the girl goes in the shower in a horror movie. You're like, don't, don't have a good time. You know, the killer is right around the corner. But I think we're, we're bred with, with that expectation. And so that when you have this, uh, Katharina says it, why should I be punished for a weekend? Yes, just just to suit me, just for my choosing, I'm not going to be punished. You're always punished in literature. Yes, mm. but in this I'm paying attention, and I realized it. Like mm. always punished, punished, punished. And I didn't want her to be punished. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think that's that's a, a, one of the differences yeah. of this novel. Even at the end, when. Um, at the end when she's left i I know i'm trying not to give anything away but you know it's it's like okay let's go you know just what you said yeah um i'm ready for anything yeah you know this yeah and that's a genuine ending for me (laughs) so far (laughs) (laughs) you know because she has she's done a lot of work to be ready for that i mean there's no denying yeah, the, all of that experience that she had, and it, it she brings it all with her wherever she's going, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Well, I want to congratulate you all, Olya, of course, you for creating this incredible novel to Paula and to Ellen for letting us read it in English. I'm so excited about that. Um, I really can't wait to share it and for other people to read it as well. Um, it's really, a, it's a piece of the world that few of us, as you say, know very well. Um, and yet we know it intimately because Catherine really is um, very human. She's very us. And, uh, and I appreciate that uh, tremendously. Oh, thank you so thank much. Thank you. Well, it's been a pleasure talking about it. It brings it all back. Yes. To Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And as you say, the book is out. Um, it is available uh, everywhere in the English speaking world, I believe, uh, which is so exciting. We can uh, recommend bookshop.org, yes. which is a competitor to Amazon in case you, one doesn't wish to buy it over Amazon for obvious yes. reasons. 100% and uh, Interlingo has a has a tiny affiliate shop on bookshop.org mm. so I will include a link there. Um, the bios of course of um, Olia, Paula and Ellen will be in the show notes below so that you can learn more about their work. You can find them on social media. Um, stay connected. Um, if you have questions or thoughts about the book after you read it, do put them in a comment or reach out to the author and translators directly. I think the best part of reading is then interacting with the author and translators to, to learn a little bit more like we're doing here. So thank you everyone for watching and for listening and to all three of you, incredible thanks for being here today. Thank you so Thank much, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful thing you're doing. Thank you. Lovely. My pleasure.